Welcome everyone to XPod. Today with us, we have Gary Black, managing partner of the Future Fund, and he has nearly 30 years experience in the financial industry. And also Dave Lee, host of Dave Lee on Investing on YouTube and a Tesla investor since 2012, about 10 years. Who's been so, putting out some great episodes, by the way. Go check out his YouTube. Yeah, seriously. So welcome, guys. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for uh, bringing this all together. Appreciate yeah. it. And, so and I think hold on, like, little... Gary also has a YouTube channel. I'm starting to follow it. The, the Future Fund has a <laughs> YouTube channel. So go check that out as well. Yep. Absolutely. So I think what we'll do is we'll have a discussion amongst ourselves for a while, and then we'll maybe bring up some people from the audience to ask questions towards the end. Um, I, I'd like to start with Dave, since he was the one that came up with this ex-holding company idea. And, and for those who don't know, Dave tweeted out on December 23rd, 2020, I propose Elon Musk to form a holding company called X. X's mission is to ensure human survival and progress. X becomes parent company of Tesla, SpaceX, Neuralink, and Boring Company. So, so Dave, how'd you come up with this idea? Yeah, so um, the background, actually, I think some people misunderstand it. It's actually the motivation is not to get ownership of SpaceX or Neuralink or Boring Company stock. That's not actually the motivation at all. And it's not actually a motivation of um, trying to get like um, a higher valuation or, you know, higher stock price per se. Um, so it's not really a pure investment um, approach. It's actually um, it derived from just looking at the inevitable steps of Elon Musk um, stepping down from Tesla. And so we know, you know, he's been prioritizing Starship. We know Tesla is becoming extremely profitable. And uh, we know his 2018 CEO compensation plan, his milestones are almost all hit. So there's in a few years, there's going to be very little actually to keep Elon Musk um, involved in the day-to-day -day as CEO. So um, right now we have a clear path for Elon Musk to step down out of the CEO leadership position. Uh, potentially to step out of Tesla um, and to focus on SpaceX. And when I look at that, as a Tesla investor, um, it's not the ideal situation. Like I prefer Tesla's leadership and vision and direction to be under Elon's direct control. And um, I think like, you know, it's, it's a tough call because some people think that Elon Musk, you know, he's not that essential to the company anymore, and they don't mind him stepping down. But in my opinion, I think um, Tesla's future as a car company, fine, it's, you know, it's guaranteed in many ways, or almost guaranteed, but its future beyond that is still up in the air in terms of, like, can Tesla become a 10 trillion, 20 trillion, 40, 50 trillion dollar company. Um, what is its 100 year impact really going to be? And I think that changes drastically if Elon Musk is CEO for the next 30 years versus if he's CEO for just the next two years. Um, and the second motivation um, is when I look at Elon Musk's life and we look at it, let's say 30 years from now, we're going to ask the question if he's still around, um, yeah. Like was did his did the company structures maximize his impact 
right? And I think if he steps out of space, uh, steps out of Tesla and focuses just on SpaceX, I think that's good for space. But I think Elon has the capacity to do a great job um, as CEO of SpaceX and Tesla and these other companies for the next 30 years. And I think if we give him that type of structure to be a 30-year um, CEO for you know multiple companies going forward, that's just going to maximize his impact. And I think as a result, all of the company's stock prices are going to benefit as well. I mean, that's not a question, but it's more, you know, working it from kind of uh, first principles of, of what's the impact of Elon's life going to be, right? And how can we maximize that? And if we bring together all of his companies, it actually lowers a lot of the um, kind of the overhead of attention that's required on Elon Musk's part. For example, he has to deal with separate IR, investor relations people for each of his companies. He needs to deal with separate HR, human resources, separate engineering leads, separate everything, right? Um, across his like boring Neuralink, SpaceX and Tesla. And it just makes it impossible for him to try to do something like a vertical takeoff and landing jet right now or a cryptocurrency or whatever. He's just strapped, right? But if we could lower the overhead where, you know, a lot of these things can be brought together under one um, kind of structure, I think Elon actually will be freed up to be willing to take some extra bets. And I think we're going to see a vertical takeoff landing jet um, in that structure for soon. And I think we could see some crypto project as well soon, as well as maybe a biotech company soon too. So it's just like, which course do we want to see? Do we want to see? Do we want to see Elon exiting Tesla in two or three years um, and just focusing on SpaceX, or do we want to see Elon head of SpaceX, Tesla, and these other companies as CEO for the next thirty years, and you know, spawning new projects and new companies under this structure? So that's kind of the the gist of yeah the the whole genesis of the idea. Interesting. So how do you, how do you convey? You know, I think. For Tesla, the concept of Tesla and the mission is really easily understandable for a lot of people. But I think when it comes to maybe Neuralink and SpaceX, it's a lot harder. And if you have sort of a holding company with all these companies in it, you know, I, I don't know how that translates into, you know, retail investors being able to come in. And, you know, obviously, Elon wants people to have a really long time horizon. So do you see that, you know, potentially being an issue if you have, you know, obviously SpaceX will continue to eat up money. Hopefully Starlink starts to be a big cash driver for them. But of course, Neuralink yeah. is a boring company. How do you see that being an issue? Yeah, so uh, two things. So first, um, it's pretty simple. The X company is basically what Elon is always trying to do, is just maximize human survival and progress, maximize impact. Um, but on like, I think a lot of times this idea is um, easily discounted or there's prejudice against it because there's a bias against conglomerates in the financial world. Um, and you look at SpaceX and you can think, oh my gosh, they're, they're burning billions of dollars and this is gonna hurt you know, uh, Tesla's cash flow and all this stuff. But the reality, if you look at the numbers, SpaceX um, over the past seven years, they might spend you know, a billion dollars or maybe a little more um, cash burn um, in terms of funding. So they're actually very lean as a company. And for Tesla to take on SpaceX and just to burn a, a, 
a billion dollars in cash, that's almost nothing. But also that includes CapEx. And so if you, you know, if you add just what the operating expenses will be to add to, to Tesla, it's going to be very minimal, maybe 500 million for the, for the whole year and maybe 500 million to a billion in CapEx. So it's going to be almost a rounding error for Tesla in terms of cash hits. The second thing is interesting is Starlink is, is not understood by most financial kind of um, fund managers slash Wall Street in the sense that um, it's very private and the information is very confidential. But a few years ago, uh, there was a leaked kind of financial uh, projections from Starlink internally. And it projected um, $30 billion in revenue and $20 billion in operating income in 2025. But that's probably going to be late a few years. So if we say 2027 or so, if you think about $20 billion in operating income for a company that's growing very fast, you're going to give that company at least a 50 to 100 time multiple. Um, if you give it a 100 time multiple, that basically is a $2 trillion company. So in five years, Starlink, there's a clear path to a $2 trillion possible um, valuation. This has never been done before, where you take a, a multi-trillion dollar potential startup, which is on trajectory to getting this crazy valuation, and you actually merge it with a company. This is basically taking on Google in this first like five years mm -hmm. or taking on Apple right when the iPhone comes out or, you know, taking just like, basically this is Starlink is probably going to become one of the largest companies in the entire world. And right now SpaceX is massively undervalued. Um, it, it's basically the number one hottest private equity company, private company in the entire world. Whenever there's a funding round, it gets basically oversubscribed 10 X and they have to bid up the price continuously. So yeah, you know, you, we hear about a hundred billion dollar market cap valuation for SpaceX, but that's not the true market cap valuation. SpaceX, if it was in the open market, it would be probably closer to 250 billion, if not 300 billion. But that's also, I think, undervalued because Starlink isn't really known in terms of its cash potential. But anyways, I think Tesla can acquire SpaceX for under $200 billion. It would be a steal, especially considering Starlink is a $2 trillion possible company, let's say in five or 10 years. SpaceX is not burning that much capital. It's not going to hurt OpEx much, um, not going to hurt CapEx much. Um, I think there's a lot of concern. It's going to hit the multiple um, because it confuses. It's not a, you know, investors, it's not a pure play investment anymore. But I just think once people look under the cover of SpaceX and Starlink, they're going to see that this is, this is crazy. You know, you don't come across, you know, trillion dollar plus market cap opportunities very much. But yeah, SpaceX is massive. I mean, this is, yeah, people underestimate um, what's going on here. Interesting. Yeah, and there's definitely a lot of value discovery and value creation definitely to come with those yeah. companies. Gary, I'm curious to get your thoughts because I know you're on the opposite side of the spectrum here. <laughs> you there, Gary? Uh, yeah, Gary, you need to unmute. Oh, oh he's, he's in the audience. I'll just invite him back up. Bear with us, folks. Gary, you should see a invite to speak from me. 
Yeah, as we figure out Gary's situation, yeah, um, SpaceX is. <laughs> Uh, um, SpaceX and Starlink right now, it reminds me of Tesla back in like 2017 to 18, how there's like, you know, people thought it was like at the verge of bankruptcy and, you know, they thought $40 billion market cap was too high for the company. It was overvalued, but they didn't really like appreciate and recognize the major, you know, the crazy business model and leverage, right, that SpaceX had and how Tesla was on the verge of becoming this crazy cash cow, which would, you know, skyrocket its market cap multiple times. But um, Starlink is very, very similar in that sense. That people completely discount it. They think it's just cash burning. It's not going to generate much. But yeah, this is like a monopoly on, you know, space internet. And this is an essential service. And, you know, sure, SpaceX is internal projections of $20 billion of operating income, you know, by 2025 is probably a little optimistic, but, you know, if you kind of push that out two, three, four years still, um, yeah, there's not many companies in the world that can bring in $20 billion of operating um, income. That's just massive. It's, it, it puts it in, in one of the top, basically, you know, echelon of, of companies. And I think, yeah, I mean, if you want to do X holding company, the best time to do it is before, you know, uh, Starlink goes public, I think, because after it goes public, it's just going to, I think the companies are just going to be too big, you know, at a certain point. Um, and it, it's harder to merge, you know, uh, companies when they're, they're so big. Um, it's easier when, you know, things are under wraps um, and um, the valuation is suppressed right now. Yeah, I think it's going to be um, an opportunity. But anyways, is Gary, is Gary? Yeah, uh, Gary, I keep inviting you up to speak. I don't know if it's popping up on your screen or not. Uh, uh, can you can you be, uh, go as a caller? At least we will be able to talk to you. So call in, Gary, uh, if you can't, if you don't see the message to come back on stage. Yeah. One other thing, Gary, you could do. This happened to me before. Like I missed the button to accept the invite and then it wouldn't let me come back. So you could actually leave the room and then come back in the room and then um, hopefully, you know, Sawyer or Alex can invite you and you can press on that button. Yeah, I would do that. Yeah. 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 As, as, as we continue and we're going to wait for Gary, I was wondering, uh, Dave, when you, when you mentioned about, Elon, you know, being CEOs of all these companies for the next 30 years, have you given any thought to what, like what Elon might want to do? You know, he, he, he's, he's an engineer at heart and uh, I know he loves working at SpaceX and solving problems also at Tesla. And I don't know, maybe this is not in his like preferences to be a CEO for the next 30 years. He might just want to be on the factory floor uh, like mass producing Raptor engines and, and things like that. Have you given that any thought or is just this purely from an investor perspective? Yeah, no, no. I actually um, think that I, I, it, to me, it, it makes sense. And I think this is why Elon has replied to the idea a few times um, in somewhat favorable manner. It's, it's because if you look at what Tesla and Neuralink are doing also to a lesser extent boring company, um, it's fulfilling Elon's kind of life goal of making life on earth better, right? 
um, SpaceX is kind of the planets, you know, the, the, the solar system. This is kind of out of this world, right? Uh, it's a different world. But on Earth as we know it, like Elon is, is fanatically committed to seeing, you know, humanity progress and survive and thrive. And if you think of Tesla, Tesla is his basically Earth venture, right? Uh, to for the future of Earth, and you, if you include Neuralink and Boring Company, then it includes everything right now. And then SpaceX is his his planetary thing. But I don't look at these two things as separate per se. Like he shared many times, like oh, it's like having two kids, right? And he doesn't know which one to give up. Uh, back in two thousand eight, and I really think he feels that way. Where you know he sees that it's like both are important. Earth and Mars are important, and. I think if forced to, he's going to give up probably Earth because he knows that the space thing is not going to get done without him, right? Um, so that's the default plan, I think, is to step out of Tesla, you know, go into SpaceX as his priority. Um, but I think he's very open and interested and intrigued by the idea of, yeah, can he oversee both, right? Earth and Mars um, ventures. And he's he's hacked a system where he's been able to run companies as a CEO without spending a lot of time on it. Like, for example, Neuralink, he barely spends much time on it, but he's CEO. With Boring Company, right, he says he spends like 1% of his time, but he's CEO. Typically, people don't do that, right? Typically, you just, you're an advisor, you're a chairman of the board, um, if you're going to spend 1% time. But I think the reason why Elon he he's adamant on being CEO of Boring Company or Neuralink is because he has to have, I think, the firing and hiring power to guarantee the pace of innovation in his companies are, are, are really fast. For example, if he's just chairman of the board, he's not going to have enough sway and enough control of the actual like management and who's pushing the speed of innovation. But as CEO, he doesn't have to run things day to day but he could hire and fire the people to make sure things are, are, are pushing fast. Right. And that's the key. Um, and that's why I think, you know, uh, for Elon to stay as CEO of, of Tesla, it doesn't mean that he has to be involved in a day to day per se. It doesn't mean he has to like, you know, split his time equally between Tesla and SpaceX. It just means he's going to have more control over the firing and hiring and the actual speed of innovation that the management is pushing, let's say Tesla at versus if Elon steps out and he's no longer CEO and let's say he's just chairman of the board or something, he's not going to really have the same control, you know, over management and he can't fire people except for the CEO, but he has to get the whole board approval and that's really messy, you know, but as a CEO, the firing and hiring is seamless, right? You see all these people get hired and fired under him. And it doesn't mean anything. There's no, you know, drama because he's CEO, right? And that's the power that Elon, I think, you know, if he can keep that, you know, you're going to see Tesla. I think it's possible Tesla can actually pick up their pace of innovation. Like you think Tesla's innovating fast now. It's like, hmm, once they get, they crack AI and, you know, and uh, Tesla bot. And do you think that that's the oh, that's the end story of Tesla, right? That's it, cars and bots. But no, <laughs> it's like you might be surprised. You know, it's like hey. uh, Elon is still in charge. Um, I think if you, uh, things can happen a lot faster. Oh, Gary's back. All right. Thanks, Gary. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
Sorry, this is the first time we've ever used Colin. Usually use um, something different. Anyway, um, yeah, I heard most of what you said. Look, it's a dumb idea. It's a dumb idea because um, Elon could always IPO uh, this separately. And there is a huge conglomerate discount when you look at things like GE, Honeywell, 3M, and all the conglomerates in history. Um, there's a lack of clarity, a lack of transparency. Um, you know, there's, I'm going to say a loss of management focus because I can imagine Elon would still work just as hard. But I don't know what problem we're trying to solve by putting it all together. Um, you know, people worry about Elon leaving. Look, we're at 6% EV adoption. Tesla's got a 1.4% share. You know, his, his, his job is not finished. The mission is not finished. So to say, okay, well, let's roll these things all together to prevent Elon from leaving, that just seems crazy to me, given that we're still at 1.4% share of the market. Uh, it would be much better if he just um, IPO'd it, uh, SpaceX. If, you know, the, the last valuation I saw on this was a $100 billion. So you could say it's, well, it's worth $2 trillion, but that's not what the market says. The market says it's worth about $100 billion. So, you know, if, if, if your portfolio manager, about 50% of Tesla's held by institutions, I'm telling you, if, if, if tomorrow they announce, okay, well, Tesla's going to pay, let's make it up, $200 billion for SpaceX, let's say Neuralink and Boring Company, I wouldn't say the vast majority of institutions would leave. I would bet 25 to 30% of them would leave. And I think the stock would go down 25 to 30%. And so I just don't know what problem we're trying to solve because if we, if we just IPO'd it, you can have your you know, $2 trillion potential op uh, opportunity that you're looking at. And you could buy that second piece of paper. And to me, you know, Elon, I think, owns, what, 50% of SpaceX. And if, you know, you want to own two pieces of paper, you can own two pieces of paper. But you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna wreck the valuation of Tesla. And, and again, 25% or more of the institutions would leave the stock. So that would be my comeback on that. Yeah, I think it's kind of an interesting topic because in many ways – the X holding company or X, so to speak, already exists. Like from people who work with Tesla and SpaceX, you hear them talk about kind of Elon Musk industries or whatever. And that refers to the idea that there is already something linking all these companies together. And that's Elon Musk. So there's, for example, a lot of, you know, they even share an employee, a materials engineer between the companies <laughs> When SpaceX has to use a battery pack, of course, it's going to be a Tesla battery. There's a lot of crosstalk and uh, work and, you know, boring company really emerged from a SpaceX engineer. So there's already kind of this cross-pollination. But I think uh, the argument, as Dave articulated it, is uh, just a little puzzling to me. The idea that he is going to leave Tesla if they don't merge the companies, I think just doesn't follow at all. Um, you know, Elon, obviously he spends a tremendous amount of time on Tesla 50% or even more sometimes like he's up all night working. He knows all the little details of everything. He's as much involved in Tesla uh, as ever. And, you know, we've paid him a lot and he's working really hard to make sure Tesla accomplishes its goal. He's on the FSD calls every week. He's very much uh, like most of his net worth is from Tesla. 
all of his liquidity. This is very important to him. And there's, it's hard to really imagine a situation where Elon completely leaves Tesla. As long as he's alive, he's going to be having some influence on Tesla. He's going to have a large number of shares, 20%. And more than that, if he says something, other people will vote along with him. So he has a tremendous amount of influence on the company and he's going to have opinions about things. Um, and I don't think that it actually saves any time uh, combining the companies. Like, okay, you have to design a rocket that goes to Mars and make a self-driving car. Does combining the company, now you only have one IR guy instead of two, save you any time? No, Elon's not spending time on that kind of bureaucracy. He is actually working on engineering these things. And whether the logistics of it are combined or not is uh, doesn't really make a difference in the overall time impact, I don't think. So ultimately, SpaceX is a company that is losing money right now. And if you say, well, Starlink could be a $2 trillion company, I think it's obviously very premature to say that for certain, as I'm sure everyone would agree. And I mean, Starlink has its limitations. You have to have a line of sight to the sky and all these things. Who knows where it could go in the future? But with any business, there's a lot of risk. So Taking Tesla when it was just profitable and combining it with SpaceX at this stage where SpaceX is not profitable and actually paying to have this company that's going to drag on earnings, at this stage, it doesn't make sense. Maybe at some stage in the future where SpaceX is profitable, but who knows? maybe not even then. Hey, can I ask Dave something? Because that, that, that is what institutions will ask. Why not just sure. IPO SpaceX if, if if it's got a private market valuation of a hundred billion and I don't know what the free cash was. Let's just pretend it's you know minus five billion a year or something. But but clearly there's people who feel like you that it's got a potential value of you know let's say a trillion or two trillion down the road. Why not just IPO it and let things be the way they are? You like know, it spend fifty percent of his time on SpaceX, fifty percent Tesla. Why not just go down that path and instead of wrecking the Tesla valuation to kind of do what you're thinking about doing. Yeah. So, okay. So there's a lot of um, things going on here. Um, so um, after this, this idea, I did speak with some, some various, you know, large fund managers about the idea. And I, you know, heard a lot of the concerns that Gary, like you, you mentioned, and I actually, you know, was surprised at some of the biggest Tesla bulls um, managing billions of dollars really, you know, didn't like uh, a holding company idea. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very clear to me that it's like, you know, the financial industry investors are not going to probably like this idea initially because, you know, a lot of the financial world is they're going from, um, short-term, mid-term, long-term, meaning if it's going to impact short-term and potential mid-term, it's basically a no-go, you know, because that's where all of their performance is based, you know, on a yearly performance thing. And so it doesn't, it's kind of, I think, 
the the risks are magnified on the short term for those you know managing other people's money. But when I take a, a step back, um, a couple things. One is I don't think the cash burn is really that much. I mean, they've spent a billion dollars. They've only raised a billion dollars average for the past seven years, right? This past year, they raised a little bit more because they're they're um, they're ramping uh, Starlink. But this is like almost nothing. They're on the verge of actually turning a profit with Starlink. Probably within two years, they're going to be um, turning a profit as they ramp this thing. And um, but okay, so the the question that you're asking is like, okay, why don't you just spa- IPO SpaceX, right? Um, and and keep Tesla separate. The, 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 the issue is it doesn't solve this, um, this issue that Elon doesn't want to be CEO of two separate public companies. Like he'll do it because he has to, and he's done it because Tesla needed him. It was a life and death kind of, you know, um, bet the farm, you know, bet everything moment. But as Tesla matures as a company um, and he doesn't feel like, you know, it's essential for him to be there for survival of Tesla, he's going to go to the place where it's needed the most, right? And that's SpaceX. And so, you know, if you, and that's the thing, Elon doesn't want to IPO SpaceX by itself because it puts it, you know, into more public scrutiny. But in a holding company, you can kind of shield SpaceX in a sense, just like, for example, Alphabet shields their big bets. Um, where you don't have to lay out all of the operating expenses and the money spent exactly per project, you can do similar things. So you get kind of like this um, umbrella holding. SpaceX still gets protected in somewhat. With And if Elon actually um, gets potentially more voting shares, or one aspect is he could actually get over 50% of the voting shares if part of the the ex-holding company proposal is to create a new class of shares where Elon actually gets some some more voting power. But if he gets over 50% of the voting power, hypothetically, he can ensure that this company is going to be long-term focused. And that's going to be a prerequisite for SpaceX to come under this company because he doesn't want SpaceX to be short-term, you know, driven at all. Um, but the, the, the end goal, though, it's not to to maximize shareholder value or pro- or whatever is basically to make Elon's impact higher, to lower the logistical kind of um, attention needed across multiple companies and to give him this extra motivation for him to make new bet- big bets under this singular structure. Um, it's, it's purely, in its essence, it's purely, you know, what can we do to to make Elon's life, you know, um, easier slash more impactful, right? Um, and that's that's that, that's kind of the play. And I don't think it's going to hit the stock as much as some people think. Once people realize SpaceX isn't burning as much cash as people think, once they realize Starlink is almost going to become profitable soon, and they see the projections, you know, that that uh, SpaceX has for Starlink. But Dave, what what? Why not just give investors choice? And so under either scenario, Elon owns $200 billion of Tesla. He owns, let's call it $50 billion of SpaceX. He's running both companies today. Why not just give investors choice and let them decide if they want to own both one or the other? 
why why screw with this? Because if you put them together, you know that you're going to have some institutional investors say, I don't want to have this conglomerate because people don't like conglomerates. Again, GE, sure. Honeywell, 3M. Why not just give people choice and let them decide if they want to be in one or both? Yeah, well, that's the thing. If you if you focus on investors, that's what the investors want. But Starlink is going to go public probably in a few years. And then you have SpaceX as a private company. You have Tesla right, as a public company. Neuralink will probably go public in five or 10 years. Who knows, maybe boring company. So you've got all these public companies and private companies that Elon is the major shareholder, chairman of the board. That's a mess, you know? And he's not going to, like, that's the thing. When you are dealing with so much on your plate, that's why he's saying, okay, you know, he signals that at a certain point, he's going to step out of Tesla and focus on SpaceX. It's because the structure isn't there for him to to remain the person directly responsible for the entire company because he has to focus, you know? But that's the thing. He's shown amazing ability to run a company with minimal time. It's just, you know, the structure to have like five or six separate entities is just, that's a that's a headache to manage. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's just something that it's obvious to me he's gonna step out and just focus on you know the most important thing if there isn't a structure to accommodate you know um, everything together. But that's that's precisely what institutional investors are worried about. That if you put them all under one structure, that Elon will spend most of his time on SpaceX, and it'll be if you say it's a mess today, it'll be a mess under one structure. As Omar said, you know, IR that's one or two people. We're, we're not that's not where Elon spends his time. But if it's a mess today that he's you know got four or five companies to worry about, if you put them all under one structure, the institutional guy's going to worry. He's going to spend all his time spread amongst four or five different companies, and that's still a mess. You follow? Yeah. I mean, really, what Elon but, needs to do is appoint uh, some number twos who can run his businesses, and you know that's I think what institutional guys want to do. Yeah, I mean, he does have number twos. They run large parts of his businesses. I mean, each company has like you know probably fifteen, twenty major departments. And a lot of that could be, you know, um, in a holding company can be streamlined um, immensely, I think. Um, but yeah, I mean, institutional investors, that's the thing. Like, if this was a regular company, like SpaceX or Starlink was a regular company, I would agree. It's not worth the risks. But I think there's another angle, which is if... SpaceX's internal projections of $20 billion operating income from Starlink come true, even within a 10-year period, you know, we're talking about one of the most valuable companies in the world. Um, And so I'm just saying, this is different. This this merging is not just, uh, it's not a GE merging, right? It's, It's not a Waymo type of thing. This is Starlink. This is you know, there's no comparison to to, to a global uh, space internet constellation. It's just, um, yeah, it's just massive. The other thing is um, people don't understand, like, and Elon doesn't talk about it much, but I think it's inevitable that Starlink actually uh, does cell phone service eventually. And the way they do it is they have ground stations in a city where you have, like, let's say they put up hundreds or thousands of ground stations in the city that gives cell service and these ground stations connect directly to SpaceX's um, satellites in space, providing basically terrestrial cell phone service as well. Um, 
that a total addressable market globally is also huge, but that's an option call. That's like, no one's talking about that. I mean, I'm just, yeah, it, it's, if this was a normal company, I would agree it, it's not worth the risk, but we're talking about, I just think an inevitable multi-trillion dollar company. And um, I think it's, it could be, it could be worth the risk. Maybe there's a big short-term hit, you know, but I don't know. I think it recovers, you know, once people start to see some of these numbers. I think that the idea that Elon is going to leave Tesla if this doesn't happen is, first of all, pure conjecture, not supported by any evidence at all. I mean, this is Elon's entire wealth. Even if he were to leave as CEO, he is not going to just be like, well, whatever. Yeah, it's 80%. I can't do Tesla anymore. And the reason why SpaceX isn't public isn't because it's too much work to manage two companies. The reason is because they're burning cash. They're not profitable. And they don't really have a path to be profitable. SpaceX's goal is to build a city on Mars. Hmm. This is so expensive and so challenging. No one has ever done it before. And you don't necessarily want to be reporting quarterly. And you're like, well, we got to spend billions more dollars on building a new something or the other on Mars before there's really any meaningful revenue opportunity. So, I mean, I think the whole premise that it's going to save him time is flawed. And I'm personally even a little bit offended by it every time you say it. And um, I think that if you look at Elon, like when we went to interview Elon, he's got people all around him, right? So there's like two bodyguards at the door. They're looking at everybody. Then inside there's his assistant and she's there. She's like, you know, picking out outfits for him or getting stuff from his house. And then there's this other girl. She's like his publicist. And she's like, okay, you know, Kristen, I need you to sit in every chair and let's look at how the camera looks in every chair and which one is going to make Elon look the best, you know, which seat is going to be the best for Elon. And this is before he even gets there, right? There's people in his house working, making sure these things happen for him. The idea that Elon is spending time on like the bureaucracy of like SpaceX and Tesla and Neuralink, like any kind of like bureaucracy or like time wasted, he's eliminated. And he's spending time actually working on these product issues. So if he decides that he can't spend time on Tesla, then it's not going to matter if it's one company or not. He's either got time to work on the product issues or he doesn't. Like there are good reasons for the X holding company, but I don't think that these arguments are make sense. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think um, one quick uh, response is um, the way I look at it is, is Elon is kind of like this bet the farm guy where he wants to be at the place where he's absolutely needed, meaning his impact is existential, right? And um, SpaceX has that, right? Their, their mission is far from complete. I think Tesla's mission um, it's getting to a place where 
you know, it doesn't have that existential, like, is Tesla going to, you know, make it or not, you know, without Elon. And I think naturally Elon is, is, is attracted to these opportunities that, um, that aren't the stable. He's not, he's not the typical CEO, right? He's not trying to manage a company that does, he doesn't care about that. Right. He wants, he wants the, the big thing, um, the big impact that's going to make a difference. And I mean, Tesla bot is perhaps that one, but um, Tesla, the car company, I'm telling you, it's like, it's reaching a point of its life cycle where I think it's, it's going to start to weigh on him, you know, where the maturity of the company, like financial, you know, Wall Street, they love that. Right. But that as much as people love the company, it's going to just weigh on Elon, you know, where he's like, he's, he's just attracted to, to risky things, you know, things that are going to make this historic impact. Um, so yeah, I mean, sure. 80% of his wealth is in Tesla, but you know, that's going to change, uh, once Starlink IPOs, um, and SpaceX continues to grow in evaluation. But yeah, I mean, he's going to be involved in Tesla in some ways, right? But I don't know. I just, I just think, you know, it's the difference between whether or not he's going to be CEO directly calling the shots um, for the next, you know, two to four years, or if he could do it for twenty or thirty years. You know, I think it's, a, I think it's. A I don't difference. know. I'm really I'm surprised not, by I'm what you're adamantly... I don't think yeah. this is the the end for Tesla at all. It's just the beginning, yeah. like Gary said. We're at the very, very beginning of EV adoption. We're at the very, very beginning of autonomy, where people are just starting to use this as a driver assistance system. Tesla's most exciting years where their products are used by everyone, consumers from all around the world, are just starting. Were Apple's exciting days over when they weren't going bankrupt anymore. No, not going bankrupt anymore is kind of like step one, right? Now that we yeah. actually have financial stability, now is when all the interesting things start to happen. And I mean, imagine you have $200 billion of stock in a company, okay? Someone can fart at the company in front of a reporter and you'll lose, you know, maybe $5 billion or something off your net worth. I don't, you know, it's hard to imagine how you have that much of your wealth and also just, you know, a duty to shareholders and you ever say, ah, whatever. Elon has been sticking with this company and staying as the CEO for decades through much, much worse times than this. So why now at a time when things are going better than ever, they... That's what, well, that's why. Because I mean, I'm not saying obviously Tesla is mature in its long term, but in terms of its story of dependency on Elon Musk, it, it's becoming to the point where yeah, a lot of actually, if you ask if you ask a typical uh, Wall Street panel, you know, does Tesla need Elon Musk right now? Probably half or more are going to say, well, they'll be completely fine without Elon Musk, right? No, they and wouldn't, Dave. They said, no, they wouldn't. You're wrong. If Elon were to what? leave tomorrow and say, I'm joining SpaceX and I'm going to put name somebody else in charge, the stock would fall by a third. It's the same thing. And as Omar said, 6% EV adoption, they have a 1.4% share of the market. You're at the very beginning. We're, we're still at you know level two self-driving. 
I would think if I'm Elon, and I'm not in his head as much as it sounds like you are, yeah. but to me, yeah. I'd be pretty excited about that. That would be like, I'd, I'd love yeah. to go to work every day and do do that, work on that. No, that's the thing. It's a, it's We are fundamentally viewing Elon differently. I just look at Elon as there's a reason why he's stepping out of the earnings, the quarterly conference calls. And it's They're clear boring. to me. They're boring. No, it, yeah. It's, it's administrative. It. No, but it's part of it is he's starting to see that the dependency of Tesla's kind of um, Tesla's dependency on his kind of leadership is evolving and it's changing and it's maturing right now before, you know, Elon was like directly handholding investors, you know, and now it's like, he doesn't want to do that. He thinks Tesla's in a different place. He doesn't need to do that. Right. And so he'll focus on what he needs to focus on, but that's the thing at a certain point, it's just, it's, it's not the same uh, uh, make it or break it, life or death kind of thing with Tesla. Um, it's just, it's a different life cycle. Elon thrives with uncertainty, with just massive amounts of risk. He loves to live on the edge, right? And, yeah, um, I don't but, Dave, yeah. but Dave, Dave, I don't disagree with any of that, okay? Everything you say makes sense. Yeah. I just don't know what sticking everything under a Tesla stock versus having a Tesla stock and a SpaceX stock, I don't know why those two situations are different for Elon. He's st- he could still spend, you know, 30 to 50% of his time and, you know, 50 to 70% of his time on SpaceX, depending on what needs him. I think him stepping yeah. away from the, the earnings calls, it's administrative. It's it's dumb. It's a dumb use of his time. Everybody agrees he should. Jobs didn't do it. Time. Anybody could do that. But to your point, if he really loves you know, um, building, you know, you know, communications outside the U.S. and starting a new Internet service. And as you said, you know, a phone service using Starlink, he could do that today if they're two separate companies. I don't I don't know why you think that putting it all under Tesla is going to help that. He he could do that today. Yeah, I think I I think. Okay, can I just just a little bit push back on the on the timeline and the challenges? Uh, you got to remember that even though like Tesla is now stable and with no risk of bankruptcy, uh, there's still some very big things uh, on the horizon. Where we talked about FSD, but there's the twenty-five thousand uh, dollar Tesla. That's going to be yep. a whole new ball game that they've never encountered. There's the Cybertruck. There's the semi, a, a whole huge market se- segment there. There's the battery productions, like the forty-six eighty, bringing it's them up the to scale. And then, like the on top of that, you've got like Tesla bot, so and and the whole mode of manufacturing that Tesla is 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 poised like to revolutionize. So I think yeah. that from Elon being like somewhat bored and like feeling that this is like the run of the day mill like CEO job, I don't think Tesla is there for for at least half a decade and more. Yeah, okay. he, he won't be feeling any of those. Sure. I, okay, I, I think there's some misunderstanding. I'm not saying he's bored per se. I'm saying, for example, if if he finalizes the design right of the twenty five thousand dollar vehicle, and if FSD reaches full self driving level four, and let's say these two things happen within two years, right? Um, besides Tesla bot, I mean FSD and the twenty five thousand dollar vehicle that sets Tesla Energy. up for ten years. Energy, yeah, solar. But, but energy is mostly just you know iterative, iterative improvements. Not at all. Cost There's so much ramping the- battery production, right? I mean, what I'm saying is that the F, like solving FSD and you know coming up with a, a, a compelling twenty five thousand dollar vehicle, um, 
that sets up tests over 10 years, right? Um, okay, so, so let's take a step back. What I'm saying here is I think I'm actually more like 50-50 on this idea, actually, um, because I actually do see some downsides, and it's more so with like uh, regulation of SpaceX being a national security enterprise, where I feel like if it goes under an ex-holding company, a country like China might be kind of uh, offended slash not wanting cars from that type of company to, you know, really, you know, not just operate in the company, but collect data and all this stuff. I think there's some extra type of um, complications that come with this. So what I've kind of concluded is this, which is none of us really, really know 100% what, like, you know, this is going to do in terms of uh, Elon's, like, you know, efficiency and impact that he leaves, you know, obviously in this world. But my guess is he probably knows much better than any of us, you know, in terms of whether this idea has, you know, merit or benefit for himself, right, or not. But then there's a second question is, yeah, does it benefit shareholders? And I agree with a lot of Gary's points, actually. I think there's a legitimate risk, you know, in terms of short-term stock price with investors. But I think I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, hey, you know, let's just uh, kind of, um, I, I kind of say, I, I would just say, I'm just relaxing a bit. I'm like, hey, it's, it's, it's a toss-up to me. There's pros and cons for both sides. And ultimately, it's going to be Elon's call, you know, whether or not there's benefit or not from him. If it's not, he's not going to do it for sure. He's like, obviously, he, he's making the calls, you know? So that's where I'm kind of like, for shareholders, I don't think they have to worry either way. I think, you know, he's going to make the right decision. He's going to do what you know, makes sense for him and for the company. and. Um, yeah, I think he's the ultimate judge. So I think that's kind of where I'm at. Hey, Dave, do you, do you think, though, if Elon is thinking about his wealth and he knows he's got $200 billion of wealth at Tesla and he's got $50 billion of wealth at SpaceX, would he yeah. really walk away from the $200 billion if there's no clear number two? Okay, there's not a clear number two who gets the engineering, who gets the business, who gets the marketing, who gets the finances, all the stuff that Elon brings to the table there is no clear number two, and, and don't say it's Zach, because Zach doesn't have that types of breadth yeah. of experience. And it's it's not Andrew. It's I can't think of anybody who's got it. You'd have to bring in somebody at this point, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, okay, the way I look at it is um, I think once Elon, like, has solved, let's say, level four full self-driving, the $25,000 vehicle is designed, I think, you know, there are candidates that maybe we don't know. I think Drew Braglino is a decent candidate, actually, you know? Um, but yeah, I mean, he's going to care about, obviously, you know, where Tesla is going. But uh, yeah, I mean, day-to-day CEO, I don't know if he's, yeah, I think, I don't know. I just, it just seems like in a few years, two or three years, I think, you know, um, something's going to happen. Yeah, we'll see. Well, I think that, it's kind of funny the way you're saying this, like, oh, well, you know, they'll just solve autonomy and the design of the car and then they're done. I mean, I think this is the very early days of Tesla. Their product lineup isn't even fleshed out. The technology isn't all mature. It's going to take a long time and a lot of work, a lot of iteration to get autonomy working. It's going to be a big project this decade. And then after that, it's like, okay, how do you redesign the car interior? There's so much stuff. And, 
I mean, I just think it's like, you know, sometimes I like talk to Elon about FSD, like not often, but every once in a while I'll have the chance to say something to him and, uh, you know, he'll make some comments and he's very candid about things like, oh, they wanted to use Swift for autopilot and uh, Chris Ladner and like, oh, like make comments about the engineering team and like you'll say something to him and he'll make a comment like, yeah, you know, I think we could be making faster progress on planning and control or stuff like that. This isn't some bureaucratic CEO who's organizing meetings. What he really does at these companies is he is involved in the important product stuff at a fundamental level, the engineering. And he's good at, he's great at the software. He's great at the hardware. Like, uh, and I don't know. I never got the impression that he was bored or checked out of Tesla. Like this is a guy who is up at 4 a.m. Like literally sometimes, you know, 3, 4 a.m., you know, he'll just send it and respond to an email or something like that. He's up working on Tesla stuff and looking into stuff. Um, and yeah. He, he's like working insanely hard on both of these businesses and like he can tell you every little detail. Like you s- saw like those everyday astronaut interviews. He's not some executive managing the rocket thing. He can tell you every little thing that's going on on the autopilot team, on Starship. And, um, you know, I think but, he, would, but, but he let's definitely be honest. would put someone else in charge if it was possible. But he just yeah, cares but, about all this but stuff. But let's be honest a little bit. The reason we're talking about this is not because Dave tweeted out what he tweeted is because Elon interacted with it in a a coy manner, like twice, I believe, right? He did it initially. And then he came back a few months later or, or or six months later later and a year, (laughs) a year later uh, to seek that thread out and interact with it again. So it, I don't think he would do that if it's not something he's considering, not maybe seriously, but seeing some benefits uh, to it he might see also downsides and that's why it's not happening or it hasn't happened yet but yeah, yeah I, I don't think he would do that just- I think it would make his life easier right to just be in one structure and you could use you know the 11 billion dollars you're cash flow from Tesla to feed the let's say it's a one or two billion of outflow at SpaceX it would make his life easier I'm just saying from an investor standpoint the average institutional investor likes purity they hate conglomerates. They would trash the multiple. The multiple would go, you know, down 20, 30%. And you'd have a lot of institutional investors leave. Even if it is only 10% of the business, people would leave because they would rather have two pieces of paper. And so I get that it's easier for Elon. I'm just saying if he went that path, yeah. the stock price would go down 20, 30%. Yeah. So, so okay. So, Gary, I, this, is, this is interesting. Yeah. We agree that it could be easier, right, with one structure in that sense. Um, in terms of stock price going down, like this is how I, I envision it potentially playing out. Elon actually, um, he um, simultaneously, three things come together. So one thing is it's announced all at the same time. It's kind of, there's lots of calls and presentations, et cetera, but basically like a merger, uh, 
the holding companies announced. But second, as an idea, right, uh, to put to shareholder vote. But the second idea is a new uh, CEO compensation plan uh, for Elon Musk for the next 10 years beyond that, right, for this holding company, which basically takes this holding company to, let's say, uh, 10 or $20 trillion in market cap value in 10 years, okay? So there's this clear kind of thing that Elon presents. And then third, Elon presents actually um, hypothetically a very, very compelling case for the cash flows of SpaceX and Starlink, where he shows that actually the cash burn is only going to be, let's say, one or two billion for the next couple of years. And then he shows Starlink, let's say, turning a profit in two years and in another three or four years getting $20 billion of operating profits. So he combines all three of these things together, right? And this, I'm not going to say it's not going to, the the stock price won't take some hit, but I think it can be mitigated in some ways if all three of these things are presented together. I mean, I'm curious to hear what are your ideas with that? Why not just take uh, SpaceX public and, you know, Tesla can buy a small percentage of it. And then ultimately, when, as you say, once a lot of these goals of Tesla, the compact, Cybertruck, FSD are all done, then they could, you know, buy more. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't you just go that route? This way, you know, Elon can increase his wealth. If people want to invest in both, they can. But if people like me who don't want to have a conglomerate, I would just stay with Tesla. Why not just go that path? Yeah, I mean, we okay, so we agreed that it could be easier if, like, for example, you use $11 billion of Tesla's cash flow. Well, I mean, this cash flow of Tesla is going to be actually probably massive in, in just a couple of years, right? So probably yeah. $20 billion or more. So yeah. you could use just some of that, right, SpaceX, and you, you could shield SpaceX's actually, you know, um, statements um, in the holding company. And... So there's some benefit to that. When you take SpaceX private, you don't get that benefit. You have to basically continuously have equity rounds. You have to put SpaceX's finances to scrutiny. And you have to be more subject to the volatility of, you know, the stock market and all this stuff. So but people do that yeah, all the time, no... Dave. Companies do that all the time. Look at Yeah, but not portfolio. for a company a like portfolio of them. Yeah, but not I mean for a company that's so long term focused like SpaceX, um, yeah, I mean, I mean, the the current plan is to take Starlink public, right, in a couple of years, and to let that be kind of like the cash generation for SpaceX, which would make it, you know, yeah, I mean, that's that's the default plan right now, you know, um, let people have a have a have a stake not in SpaceX but in Starlink, right, um, yep. and then people can have a stake in Tesla if they want to. So, I mean, that's the default plan. That's most likely what's going to happen. You know, and I'm fine with that, too. Like, I think that's great. You know, I think SpaceX is a great business. I have exposure to SpaceX already in the private market. So I'm happy myself. But and I don't need to push the ex holding company in any way. It's just it's just it's interesting. Um, Just, you know, it's just a off the wall kind of, you know, idea that, you know, it's unlikely. Um. And it probably won't happen. Yeah, I mean that's that's it's, kind of you know. I would summarize it as maybe one day when things have progressed a lot. If, if SpaceX were to go public, if Elon were to decide to do that, what what valuation do you think they would they would have at the close of business on the first day of trading? Yeah. So right now, um, 
you know, people are saying it's a hundred billion dollar market cap valuation. I, I've been actually like having a lot of conversations with many, many private brokers in the private equity space and funds about SpaceX. And um, the only way you can get exposure to that hundred billion dollar market cap is if you pay massive fees through these special uh, purpose vehicles. So you basically have to do like, you know, basically you're doing a 220 structure, you know? You're doing, you know, uh, a management fees and a carry, and you're doing like layered SPVs to get that price. And what it basically means is that $100 billion market cap is not the true market valuation. Um, there's, you know, it's oversubscribed and, they tack on all these extra fees, these extra companies. So, I mean, if SpaceX went private today, I would imagine two hundred to three hundred billion dollar market cap, easy. But, but Dave, um, you're making yeah. it you're you're making it so much more complicated. First of all, you got Elon Musk, which people know you can bank on Elon. Okay. Second, mm-hmm. there's a whole history of private financing rounds, and each one of them has been higher. So all yeah. you have to do is you know call Goldman Sachs, call Morgan Stanley. They would be delighted to do it. You put it on an S one. You put out five years of negative cash flows and people are going to buy it, right? It's just like they, sure. they bought every single round of financing and it, it's just the public. Gets it. The thing that maybe Elon doesn't like about that is he owns 50% of it. You know, maybe he would have to sell some more stake to take it, take it, take it public, but he doesn't have to sell a lot. He could sell 5%, 10%. You could just make it very scarce. And I just, you're making it sound much more complicated. It is. It's just a simple IPO. You put out an S1, Morgan Stanley Goldman do all the work. And you put out, you know, ten percent of the the shares that Elon owns, and now it's public. You don't. Yeah, no, I'm not saying layers of fees. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, currently in the private markets, that's what's that's the that's what's going on in terms of uh, acquiring uh, shares in SpaceX. It's very complicated. In the right, markets. right. And I wouldn't and do it that way. I'd let it go. Yeah, public. no, no, no. They obviously they wouldn't do that. I'm just saying to answer Sawyer's question of like, what's the kind of you know market value at IPO, right, of SpaceX. I'm just saying it's going to be a lot, lot higher than the private market valuation right now. Do you have, Dave, do you have any idea how much the revenue is now or even like two to three years from now, what the project, the revenue? So if you put, we know it's got a hundred billion dollar market cap based on the last round of financing. What is that like enterprise value to revenue? Do you know? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, there it's, 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 Negligible because it's just purely launch business right now. Mm, um, okay. And so I'll give you an idea. Like um, a few years ago, the leaked revenue projections for 2025 were like five billion in in um, uh, launch revenue and 30 billion in SpaceX or Starlink revenue. But that's probably a good three years off. Like. Um, delayed but so you're you're looking at the revenue projections 80, 85 to 90% is probably starlink revenue for the future going out right. yeah so they they've had subscribers pay $100 deposits for internet communicate whatever you want to call that service yeah right yeah. and i i know there's 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 a lot of them i don't, can't remember the number there's 145,000 yeah. subscribers right now okay so SpaceX is getting about 15 million a month yep so that's kind of a good way to think about just like the first year revenue but if you go out a few years, you can put, you know, a nice, I just think taking this public is easy. Yeah. Everybody just yeah. doesn't care that it's going to lose money for the next five years because it's got Elon Musk on it and he's yeah. bankable. Yeah. I mean, Starlink is going to go public and it's going to be a super easy, simple you know, IPO because 
it's a it's a lucrative business model. It's one product, you know, space internet constellation. It's going to be eaten up. I mean, either way, as an investor, I'm happy. You know, it's、mm-hmm. like, yeah, I have exposure to Tesla and SpaceX. I'm happy. I'm going to buy probably more Starlink. I'm happy.、Um, yeah, I have no complaints actually. I, I don't. I don't really want. I don't really need X company or. There's no financial type of you know incentive. Then why'd you plant the idea into his head? <laughs> <laughs> you keep talking、it's, about it, man. It's it's purely it's purely just this idea of like okay. Let me ask you guys. Do you think, um, um,、uh, in a holding company structure, do you think Elon could be? Would he be in? Okay, three options. Number one, would be he be encouraged to start some extra new new ventures? Let's say like a vertical takeoff landing jet earlier than than before, or not, or crypto or biotech or anything. Or would it, would it be the same? Like it wouldn't matter at all. Like I'm curious to hear your guys' take on that. I don't think it would matter. He's going to do what he wants to do. He's the richest man、yeah. in the world. I would agree. Yeah, and and I think it's like mostly technological at this point for the jet. Uh, he has he has doodled on it like noodled on it like for for years now, but I think he's still waiting for the batteries to catch up to to actually start doing something meaningful about it. I think it's technological. It's not like time、uh, resources that are lacking or a certain corporate structure that would ease this this development. I I think it's a few years out just because we, batteries need.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I see we have、uh, some callers in the queue that have been waiting for a while. So why don't we take a few questions from the audience?、Uh, Lyndon, Lyndon, can you unmute? Yes. Here we go. Thank you very much for having the room. Thanks for everybody for being here, Dave and Gary, especially. Thanks for your time. I'm trying to keep my question really balanced and fair. So instead of an inflammatory question, I just ask Dave and Gary independently. <laughs> what do you feel like a number one talent of Elon Musk for SpaceX, and then separately, or maybe it's the same talent, or the number one talent for running Tesla, and why we should hold them hold him up on this pedestal as genius?、But、what specific skill set? What、uh, training or what other things would maybe be different between the two companies? And thanks for your time. I'll, I'll start, and Dave, look, he's he's clearly an engineering genius. He's got great vision about where the world's going to go, and that's that's a rare talent. Most people can't, you know, look forward five years and say, "Here's where the world's going." So he's got great vision. He's an engineering genius. I'd say third, he's he's a great recruiter of talent. He can hire talent,、um, and those th- those are three things that I think he's 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 really good at. Yeah,、um, I I think、um, yeah I agree on a lot of that. I think his defining characteristic that、um, we're going to look back, you know,、uh, on is、um, is his ambition and resolve.、Um, To change the future, and I think the means is engineering, right? He's he's tapped into the power of engineering to as the means to make that happen. But his resolve, I think, is unmatched. Where he's going to make it happen, he's going to to see something happen that's not going to happen otherwise, and it's to the point where it's like, kill me,、um, 
like, we're gonna go there or I'm gonna die in the process, right? It's, it's no, no compromise. And I think that level of ambition and resolve is just so, so rare um, in today's world that, um, yeah, this, this defines, you know, every company that Elon's involved with. Thank you so much. Quick follow-up. What do you see as the biggest negative? What is the biggest downside if Elon chooses the path that is the opposite of what you're recommending? So I would like things to stay the way they are. If he IPOs SpaceX or Starlink, either one, I'm fine with that. I think if, if he puts you know all his other companies underneath the Tesla capital uh, structure, um, I think the stock drops 20, 30%. That's, and so to me, that's the negative, but that's, that's my view. Yeah. Um, yeah, for me, I think, um, yeah, if Elon doesn't do X holding company, um, you know, I think it's fine. Um, Tesla does fine, SpaceX, Starlink, everything does fine. Um, the only thing that, um, um, I think the downside would be 30 years from now, um, you know, if, you know, that's the thing. Tesla can take different paths after Elon, let's say, you know, starts to focus more, let's say, on SpaceX over time. He signaled multiple times that that's what he's going to do. He's going to, you know, he step out um, of day-to-day leadership of Tesla, you know, um, move over, focus on SpaceX long-term. So we don't know the exact timing, but... The, the 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 thing is, you know, it's just this idea of, you know, what could have been, what could Tesla have been if Elon was CEO for thirty years versus, you know, a much shorter period. Let's say hypothetically, if he steps down, so that's the downside. But it's just it's just kind of the better and best, you know, situation. There's no like real downside per se because I mean Tesla has an amazing future. You know, they've set up so many foundational platforms. It's like you think the iPhone was great, like an iPad, whatever, but Tesla setting up like, you know, the FSD platform, robot, potential robot taxi platform, the 4680, you know, battery platform, the whole manufacturing gigafactory platform. You've got these massive, massive, and then, you know, energy platforms, solar platforms. You've got so many massive platforms that take so many years and so many moving parts to set up. Even if Elon is gone, right, these platforms and technologies and products have massive runways, right? They can go on for decades and decades of potential growth, you know? Um, so, yeah. So what if, what if we had five years from now, Dave? So let's say Cybertruck is launched, compact $25,000 cars launched. Um, you know, FSD, full self-driving is level four. And, you know, they even have a, you know, the Tesla network out semis out there and he has a strong number two that he's recruited he's trained and look it, he's probably a very hard guy to work for so you know <laughs> if, if it's her dc you know he, he he may not make it um but if he had those five things accomplished and he left in five years i think shareholders would be fine yeah 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 i mean i think it could be earlier too um especially as tesla's uh, profits grow so let's say hypothetically you know let's say they're making 20 billion in income um, in a couple years, like investors love, love numbers, you know, um, and growth. And once they see that, that's going to be like, you know, they might not care as much about Elon's direct day to day. Once they see, see those like eye popping profit numbers. 
I can't imagine Elon himself wanting to leave before FSD is fully solved. Whenever that mm-hmm. may be. That seems what, to turn him on the most. Yeah, and what role could he take on at Tesla if he were to step down as CEO? Would he become chairman again and then maybe chief engineer or something like that? Is that something or that co-CEO, would... Or co-CEO, perhaps? Chairman's well, a terrible people role. usually don't like... Chairman's an administrative role. He, he should not be chairman. If, if anything, he should step down as CEO if he had a strong number two and be like chief product officer or something. But if I would view it as a big negative if he became chairman because it's just it's administrative bullshit and he would hate it. Yeah, yeah. Um, Elon gave some hints already that you know he was leaving the door open to step down as CEO. Like in the 2018 CEO compensation plan, it requires him to be either CEO or he could be um, chairman of the board and and like a chief product officer. So he already kind of has the door open. If need be, he could step down from the CEO position. And I think that's intentional, you know? He, he, he's always had in the back of his mind that SpaceX is gonna need him more longer term, you know? And at a certain point at maturity, at a certain point when Tesla doesn't need him like as much, he's, you know, um, there's gonna be obviously some some reduction of his role, you know? Um, so we'll see. I don't know what time or how to, how that happens, though. Um, Kevin, we'll go to you next. I'm, I just want to get a quick answer. What are your guys' thoughts on Tesla raising the price of FSD by 2K to, to 12000 starting January 17th? Do you, do you think this is a sign of, like, internal confidence and progress of FSD or something else? Look, um, this is Gary. I don't really fully understand what the strategy in raising the price is. If, if you look at, you know, Troy's, Troy Tesla's got these, you know, surveys he puts out every quarter and the FSD take rate keeps dropping and he hasn't published the fourth quarter numbers yet, but I know they're down. And so even though we've had, you know, broad, we'll call it publicity about FSD the last six months with beta being out there, the take rate keeps dropping. So I'm not, I, I really, you know, and some people say, well, maybe he wants more of the subscription, um, you know, to be a bigger percentage of it. That's possible, but there's other ways to do it. And then, so that's one point. Second point is, and I know this is, this is inflammatory. People hate when I say this, but there are, you know, there's seven other um, driverless permits granted in California with, with driverless cars. And there's 52 with drivers and Tesla's being one of the 52 and there's three with full uh, autonomy deployment. I just think it's naive to think that there aren't going to be other players that, you know, offer um, autonomous driving at some price. And I know the marginal cost of, of making FSD is zero. I just, I just seems to me that's going to be a very high price. And if there are others that can, can, can get there, and I, I agree that Tesla's ahead of everybody, you can't charge 12000 if everybody else is charging four or 5000 or if everybody else is charging a hundred dollars a month. So I, I, I don't understand the strategy, but maybe they'll talk about that on the coming earnings call. Yeah. Um, yeah. The way I look at it is, um, is, is I think Elon is very confident that Tesla is so far ahead of the competition and that FSD is going to uh, realize a huge amount of economic value for everyone who has it. Um, that, 
twelve thousand is just cheap in his eyes. He just thinks it's like ridiculously cheap, um, and it's gonna go up. You know, the fourteen thousand, sixteen thousand, eighteen thousand. I mean, he's gonna do it. I mean, and of course, there's debates on you know when that's gonna happen, like in, in terms of you know how good FSP is gonna be by when. But I think that's the rationale behind it. I think when you look at competition, like let's say Waymo or Cruise or others, like you know. There, a lot of them are a different business model where mm-hmm. you're looking at more of a geofenced kind of um, uh, expensive equipment lidar. It's an enterprise model, you know, where it's not a mass market, you know, autonomous driving solution. And when you look at what Tesla, the market Tesla's in, there's probably only, you know, like Mobileye is probably the only like real competition at this point. But in my opinion, I think Mobileye is is three years or more behind, and the lead is only the 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 distance is only growing between Tesla and Mobileye, meaning they're getting farther and farther behind. It's not catching up, actually. I think the reverse is happening, and I think for Elon, he he sees this. He he doesn't think anyone is close to Tesla at all. Um, in terms of mass market generalized solution. And he just sees the, the, the time, the eventual time where they flip the switch, you know, into robotaxis is coming. And it's just his way to prepare for that. I think, yeah, I think Elon is, is living in the future. He sees it like as if it's today. And um, that's the great thing about it. It's, it's, it's presenting a dichotomy and a divergence of beliefs right now where you can have Tesla bulls who are really bullish on the company or stock, but you have two different complete opinions on where FSD is headed, right? Um, is it going to be, you know, more commoditized as, you know, heavy competition? Or is Tesla going to be like a winner-takes-all, winner-takes-most market? Um, and the outcomes of these two scenarios, I think, are, are very, very different. Um, and I, I'm... I mean, I I lean on the on the side where I think AI and data data is the key, and I think the data is just hard to get the edge cases, and I don't think anyone is close, and I think it's under underestimated the the lead that Tesla has. But I'm like realistic enough to say that this stuff is un it, the, it's un, inconclusive right now, meaning it's not for sure either way, and that's the great thing about investing is you can make your bets. You could, you know, um, decide for yourself, you know, on, on what's going to happen. I agree. It's inclusive. Why, why do you think the take rate is so low, one? And two, why do you think when you look at, say, 2020 or even 2021 used Model Ys, Model 3s, Model Ss, and you look at with FSD versus without FSD, and when you see Model 3 and Model Y, they, you know, there's a big difference. Um why do you think that the, the the value difference is perceived to be so low? It's only like two or three thousand dollars if you look at used. With yeah. why do you think that is? So I think that the main factor in the used car market probably is currently with the FSD kind of upgrade, you don't get the local driving. Actually, you have to actually earn it through a safety score and <laughs> earn entrance into the beta program. And you know, basically, and also Tesla's kind of strict; they'll kick you out of the beta program if you're not safe as well and so the the feature you're not even buying the feature per se with a used car you're buying the right to perhaps try to gain entrance into the feature right set so i think there's a natural discounted 
value at that, right? Um, that's that's one thing. Um, and yeah, it's it's the reality is this feature is is changing so fast. I don't think that, um, uh, for example, beta when I got in, it was beta nine, like less, like maybe like maybe six six months ago, eight months ago, or something, but. Like it's unrecognizable right now. Six or eight months later, it's it's changed that much actually in in terms of its performance, and so that's where I think you know perhaps the used car market is is not the complete best way of of of, of tacking the value. And that's the other thing is 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 the value. Like for example, most businesses they will try to maximize revenue, right? So you take okay, what's the value, and you you set the price where you know, you, it, if you decrease the price, it increases the take rate, and you reach an equilibrium where you maximize basically revenue off of that, right? So maybe it's like five thousand bucks take rate, five thousand bucks, and sixty percent take rate is, let's say, the hypothetical maximum revenue potential for FSC or something. But Elon is choosing to um, sacrifice the current maximum revenue potential of FSD. Um, and he's purposely kind of messing this up where the take rate, yeah, is low, you know, let's say it's 20% or so, let's say, or even lower in the US. But it's clearly he's, he's saying, and he's expressing, he's saying, I know something that and I'm, I'm betting on something that that people, most people aren't going to believe or get, right, that this FSD is real, it's coming a little later than he hoped, but it's going to blow everyone away. And it's going to just, you know, jack up the price of every single car with it. Um, so I don't know. To me, it's, he's making a big statement. He's saying, like, he, he understands, you know, people don't believe it. He understands revenue is not maximized. But he's saying he thinks he's still right. And the price is, you know, going to uh, eventually catch up, right? The value is going to catch up to the price. Okay. Okay, we, we've been going at it for a while. Uh, I don't know if you guys can stay and if we can take like maybe some rapid fire callers, one quick questions, quick answers. Sure. What do you guys think? Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. Go, go ahead, Kevin. You're up. Okay, we're not going to give you a lot of chance to unmute if you walked <laughs> away from your phone. So I'm going right away to Zachary. You're up. Zachary, can you unmute? Hey, yeah, sorry. Um, I, my question was more uh, centered around if you're worried about the short-term stock going down, if they were to acquire, if they were to become like a holding company, wouldn't you also see a short-term drop if they were to, um, if you were to see Elon like step down to anything below a CEO role? Um, I think that short-term is kind of taking too much value into it, and if. If you're seeing a gamble of, let's say, what, $150 billion, $200 billion, even if you raise it even more, as Dave was saying, like, um, that he was saying there's more cost in it, so the value of SpaceX is higher than the $100 billion cap, um, wouldn't you say that, that gamble is worth it in the long run? Like, even if they were to fail, what, $200 billion of, like, in my opinion, like a $1.4 trillion uh, stock is, what, like 17%, less than 20%? Um, I just feel like once we get to that level, if we if you aren't acquiring – then you're just going to eventually become stagnant. Obviously, this is like a time frame that's, you know, in the future. I think that's kind of what Dave was saying about stepping down soon, quote unquote. Um, but I think the soon part is getting kind of tossed up in the air and is where it's getting lost. 
Yeah. I Look, it, let's be clear. If Elon were to step down from Tesla, again, which has $200 billion worth of his wealth tied up in, to become CEO of either SpaceX or Starlink, which has, let's call it $50 billion, Tesla stock would fall by more than if he were to roll things all underneath Tesla, because at least in one situation, he's, you know, he's still involved in Tesla, even if it's an umbrella company. So I would think if Elon stepped away totally, the stock would drop by more than if they acquired those other companies. Yeah. I mean, mean, there's, there's a lot of good arguments that you could make for, why it makes sense to do X. Like, for example, you could say, well, maybe there's some engineering efficiencies. You could have engineers working on multiple projects or maybe they kind of converge with Tesla working on EVVTOL or maybe you can imagine a global shipping service using starships and Tesla robo-taxis to kind of bridge the gap and Tesla semis. But, you know, we didn't really talk about any of those things We've just been focusing on this one argument that Elon is going to leave if they don't combine the companies, which I just don't see how it follows logically that that would be the case. If, I mean, maybe it would help kind of at some point in the future if uh, he was to do that. But uh, I think that it's, the least compelling reason for forming this kind of holding company that Elon would have to leave. Otherwise, I just don't think it falls. Yeah, he could, he could have an IPO, still be CEO of both, and he could hire an extra investor relations person. <laughs> it's not that much more incremental work. He's still doing both jobs anyway, either, you know, whether it's all one company or two companies, he's still going to be doing yeah. both jobs. Yeah, I, I, I frame it a little bit different, like, um, like for example, it's for Lamar, your point of being like, yeah, he'll leave unless this happens. It, it's more the default is Elon has signaled multiple times that he is eventually leaving Tesla to focus on SpaceX. So that's just the default, you know, um, and he's he's been pretty clear with that over the years. Um, so, yeah, I think that's fine. And that's a that's OK. You know, that's a fine default. And. Tesla will be fine. SpaceX will be fine. I mean, that's, uh, I kind of look at it like that, you know? I mean, the default is fine. Um, it's just that, uh, it's just a question of what if, you know? What if instead of uh, stepping away from Tesla, you know, in terms of the day-to-day being CEO, um, what if he continued with that for multiple decades? What would the, the change of outcome be? Would there be a change of outcome? And Maybe people don't think there would be a change, but I just, for me, it's, it seems like I, I would bet that there would be a, a, a pretty big change of outcome. So that's right. what's interesting about that. And institutions would be fine if you did it once, you know, some of these very high priorities are finished. Cybertruck, Compact, FSD, Semi, finding a strong number two, grooming them. If, you know, we went out, you know, I don't know what the time is, three or four or five years, and all those things were, you know, pretty much complete, the institutional community would be fine with it if he left Tesla. Once those things are complete, it's just right now is a critical time. We're at the very beginning of the EV, you know, called S-curve. It's 6% of, of uh, autos. 
They have a one and a half percent share and they've got these big products that are coming out in the next couple of years. And I got to believe FSD is going to keep them pretty occupied and keep them very interested because that's a huge, huge project. Okay, let's, uh, Ricky, you're up. Quick questions, quick answers. Let's try to get the people I've been waiting. Oh, God, the queue is so long. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so, Gary, one of the things that you were talking about earlier was um, transparency uh, in a conglomerate. Um, I mean, one reason that I love the Tesla community is because it's there's so much transparency. I mean, we're all sitting here tonight listening to two different um, parts of the argument. And, yeah, I mean, we're still in the room. We're still talking. And I hear this all the time. How many companies have this kind of culture and how much transparency? How much weight would you put transparency on Tesla as a stock? Yeah, there's no other company I own. We own about 30 names in the future fund that have this type of transparency. No, that's it. I don't think the company itself is that transparent. It's just that this this community, the Tesla community, the Twitter community, is just very um, passionate and, and very loyal. And I know very few other shareholder bases that have 100% of their wealth in Tesla stock, but I know there are a number of people in this and, you know, here that do that. So it's very rare. And uh, Dave, um, congrats on getting all these analysts on these videos recently. I mean, it really seems like there's a, a weight in the analyst community to speak to this now. I think they're starting to see the value of what YouTube, Twitter, and that community brings in. So great videos, by the way. Cool. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Ricky. Moving up. Ganesh, you're up. Okay. okay. Uh, quick uh, couple of questions. First is, uh, does uh, FTC and uh, the DOJ antitrust uh, laws apply to creating a holding company, even though they're from different industries? But uh, if you think of it long term, uh, take it semi, earth to earth, starship, they are like, going to be uh, massive trans in the transportation business. So does that apply there? Yeah, I don't think so. Tesla has a one and a half share. And if you put, you know, SpaceX in there, and again, it's, you got to look at broader than just space travel to Mars. I think about it, you know, in terms of internet communications, it's a, it's a very tiny share. So I, I just don't see them objecting to it. Okay. Thank you. And uh, a follow-up question to that is, Oh, sorry about that. I thought you were done, but Sesha, you're up. Yeah, we're trying to like try to keep it one question. Uh, yeah. We'll do follow up if there's time, but one one quick questions and answers, and then I'm I'm taking the next caller. Thanks a lot, Sesha. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, guys. So my question is kind of you know not really directly related to the topic, but uh, Elon is you know so critical to so many um, things that are happening uh, in so many industries. And he's like disrupting all these industries. Um, so um, his security and protection uh, seem like very critical to very critical. And, and do we know if he's like getting enough uh, protection from the government? Um, and, and he seems to be, you know, moving around uh, pretty freely. And, uh, and, and his whereabouts are like, you know, public information, most of them these days. Maybe Omar should take that question. Sorry, what was the question? I missed it. 
security. Uh, it was, um, yeah, he's talking about if um, Elon is taking the right security precautions to, you know, guarantee his safety. Security is a really important topic. Obviously, when you have a car that is uh, much more connected, there's much more you can, you know, do remotely and stuff like that. I mean, Tesla has much more advanced security than any other car. No, no, when, no. This oh, is Elon's personal security. Oh, okay. <laughs> Since he's so important, is he doing enough? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, don't worry about that. They've got um, people with him, watching him, making sure he's taken care of, and they're sufficiently paranoid about that to, uh, you know... Like, there's people who probably want to kill him, I'm sure, you know. Yeah, but sure. I haven't succeeded so far. Yeah, I worry about that. I think right, institutional investors worry about that, too. And that's why it, it, I don't know, like, what precautions he takes from a personal security standpoint. But you're saying that he does. He worries about that. Yeah, like, I've heard just from several people, he takes his personal security very, very seriously. Personal bodyguards, like, really just... Mm-hmm. Yeah, he 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 understands the ramifications. Okay. Good. All right. Thanks a lot, Herbert. Great. Thanks, Alex. Uh, nice to meet you, Dave and Gary. So I think a question that we might not have discussed enough is, you know, the likelihood that Elon might actually create new companies, right? Um, and for my count, he's he's uh, built seven companies: so Zip2, X, X dot com, PayPal, SpaceX, Tesla. Solar City, Neuralink, and the Boring Company. And Neuralink and Boring Company was 2016. So he's he's due to create new companies. And now, and he built all those companies when he had relatively less money with his, you know, never-ending funds, uh, you know, exponential growth of his uh, wealth. You know, it's what, in my mind, he's actually opposite of, uh, combining everything to one company, X.com, he might actually be thinking about the next new companies. What do you guys think he will do with his money that he has? And what he has said uh, in the past is that he he has, by example, thrown all of his money back into net new companies. Thank you. I think robots is where he's going, but it's my own opinion. Yeah, I think... Um, uh, I think the SpaceX vision is is so important to him that he's very um, cautious to um, kind of take away uh, focus or energy from that vision of SpaceX. So, yeah, I think, um, you know, he's already kind of probably feels at the edge of his limitations with Tesla, SpaceX, Neuralink, and Boring Company. So, like I think the the next stuff, like for example, vertical takeoff and landing landing jet, he'll do it, you know, probably within an existing company, you know, hopefully SpaceX. But um, yeah, any new stuff, like I don't know. I mean, it just seems like I don't know if it's worth it because he's got like this bigger vision of SpaceX he needs to, you know, steward. So, but we'll see. I I real quick, like thirty seconds. I always wonder as an investor, if he brought in a strong number two, would the market respond favorably or unfavorably to that? Because the unfavorably would be that he's going to step away, but the favorability is 
you know, he's got a strong management team that could take over. So I, I think it net net the market would respond favorably if you put in a strong number two. Yeah. So here's my understanding of kind of um, his structure, which most like it's it's not really understood much. But the way I look at it is, for example, let's say in Tesla, there's like ten or fifteen key you know areas. What he does is each person in charge of those areas. Is really in charge. They're kind of like his number two in that area, right? But they're basically CEOs of, let's say, CEO of energy, CEO of full self driving, CEO of manufacturing, CEO of whatever. So he's got like 10 or 15 actually CEOs underneath him, and it allows him to focus on engineering and actually solving the most pressing problems at that time, while these these kind of sub CEOs manage the entire business. So rather than having just one kind of COO, he actually has like, you know, 10 or 15 of these people running almost like startups, you know, almost separate companies in a sense. And he's, he, he keeps the role of CEO because he wants direct reporting and he wants to be in charge of the firing, the hiring of those people to make sure they're, they're innovating, they're pushing the pace. So yeah, I think that's why Elon doesn't feel like he needs us number two at Tesla is because he already has like 10 or 15 number twos. And then what's the number two gonna do? He's gonna, the number two is gonna come in and then if, if everyone's gonna report to this number two, Elon will lose touch of all of the 10 or 15 most important areas, right? So Elon wants to actually to be direct, reported to directly. So that's why I don't think Elon's gonna have a number two ever at Tesla, basically. He, yeah, he runs it directly with, these these like sub CEOs of big big uh, departments. But having fifteen or twenty direct reports is too much. I don't know another CEO has fifteen or twenty direct reports. Yeah, yeah, it it probably gets to the point where some things are are dropped occasionally, but it actually makes it where each each direct report needs to almost run their own business and run their own thing because if they don't perform, they get fired. You know, mm. um, yeah, and there's quick, quick, quick turnover. You know, Elon's not going to settle if you if you miss miss things. Yeah, it brings up uh, an, an interesting thought of how they work on the line. We've heard a lot about uh, agile at Tesla, and I wonder if in management it also uh, would apply that even though there's all these direct reports, maybe they all have to work together. And if something fails at that level, like the group basically takes care of their own and they, it might not be Elon doing the actual firing, but the group takes care of itself and uh, they replace that person basically because it's not working in the symbi symbiosis that it's supposed to work at. Anyway, uh, yeah, Sawyer just DM'd me that we're taking just one last question. So Holger, you're the lucky one with the last question. Go ahead, unmute. <laughs> Uh, thank you. Thank you for hosting this. Um, I have a remark around Starlink and SpaceX as somebody that wanted to in invest in them. So when I look at Starlink, if we say in five years, we're assuming 100 million customers worldwide paying $50 a month. Uh, then we have 60 billion of gross payment volume a year. And uh, Shift4, which is a payment processing company that recently did a five-year partnership with uh, SpaceX and Starlink, uh, they're assumed to take a 0.5% of that spread. 
uh, of those payments with around 25% net margin. Then you have 75 millions in earnings. You put on a 20x multiple on that. Then you have 1.5 billion. If you discount that back five years at 15% uh, each year, then you get around 750 million of present value of a company that is trading on the public market for around 4.6 billion. So that's around like 17%. And uh, Shift4 also holds around 28 million in SpaceX stock as per September. I know the valuation has gone up a little bit. And as Dave was talking about um, the way you get into SpaceX with the, in the private market is basically you have to pay the 220. So Dave said that he would probably put a 3x multiple on that. So if the private market is 100 billion valuation, then he put it at around 300 billion in the public market. Just with those assumptions, you basically get 20% value of pure SpaceX from Shift 4, which is a company that's trading at uh, 37x 2022 earnings. Um, and Wall Street has a $105 price target on this. I don't know if Gary or Dave would, would like to comment on that. Yeah, so I'll, I'll chime in here. So I think the flaw in or the, the shortcoming in your calculations is you're going off of 100 million customers, and that's a huge, huge assumption um, to base a lot of your kind of numbers off of. And then the second thing is, you know, you're talking about a payment processor that could be easily replaced. It's not like providing essential satellite technology for Starlink. It's purely just the payment processor for the monthly billing. There's probably 50 companies that can provide payment processing for Starlink, right? It's not like the most essential thing. And then for you to discount it back um, based off of 100 million you know, units, you're going to have to have a higher discount, uh, I think. And... Um, yeah, it's just there's there's a few fundamental things, and also um, SpaceX value. Yeah, I'd say two hundred to three hundred billion. That's my guess, but not yeah, three hundred might be high. Um, but on Shift Four, um, it looks like yeah, I am planning to interview the CEO Jared. So um, yeah, uh, we'll see. I'm gonna press him on you know, his business model and see you know what we can uncover. Sweet. With numbers like that, they could clearly IPO it. There's no reason you have to stick it under Tesla. It'll stand on its own, even if it doesn't make any money for the next 10 years. People will buy it as long as Elon's in charge of it. Definitely. Well, uh, thanks, everyone, for participating. Thank you, Dave and Gary, of course, for coming on. It was interesting interesting to hear both of your guys' contrasting viewpoints. Sorry about the app bugs, everyone. It's slowly getting better. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah, we've been in close contact with the team about that. But yeah, you can follow uh, Dave at HeyDave7 on Twitter and Gary at GaryBlack00 on uh, on Twitter as well. And uh, thanks again, guys, for coming on. Thanks, yeah. guys. Um, yeah, Sawyer, um, Alex, Omar, and Jessica, thanks for hosting. We appreciate everything you're doing. Gary, um, I actually uh, think you're doing an amazing service for the Tesla community, really giving us insight you know, from a financial you know, fund manager's perspective. And yeah, I think you're definitely one of the most clearest uh, thinkers um, in terms of just, you know, valuation and the market. So um, it's been a, a, a pleasure, you know, discussing this with everyone. Totally. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, thanks so much. Both of you guys are amazing. Yeah, Talk thank you, you very much. Bye. Thank you all. Take care.